Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4105 of The Bugle. I am Andy Zaltzman, which is about the only thing I can state with any level of certainty in the world these days. Or is it? I'm not even sure about that anymore. There might be others, but it's so hard to say. This week's show was recorded at the Brighton Podcast Festival in uh, uh, Brighton on uh, Friday the 12th of April 2019. If you like this show, or indeed any of the other up to 397 full episodes of The Bugle you could have listened to, and want to voluntarily subscribe financially, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Right, let's get started with the show from Brighton. We join the action with me, Andy Zaltzman, welcoming Alice Fraser from Melbourne, Australia, via the magical witchcraft of the internet. Here we go, please welcome Alice Fraser! Hello, Alice. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. How are you? There, there you go. Alice is down the other end of this web. Wait, everybody wave at Alice. She is... Uh, in... Oh, look, you're all so beautiful. Hello. <laughs> um, don't judge them on their looks, Alice. Judge them as people. Um, I can't pieces... see the faces. I just mean emotionally. <laughs> they're not pieces of emotional meat. <laughs> I've been doing uh, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, so, so any large crowd of enthusiastic people who don't hate me on site is a bonus. <laughs> um, I did a show last night, a Friday night in Melbourne, uh, to people who had no idea who I was, and they looked at me not even like angry, just like I was a penguin, like, <laughs> <laughs> what's she trying to do? <laughs> well, um... So a range of 13,000 miles. We'll have to try and make sure this goes better than that. So, um, uh, right, uh, Alice is uh, reporting from tomorrow. Uh, so how's, how's the future? Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, although if we're going on Friday night shows, this is going to go terribly, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I should, I should be in synagogue right now, shouldn't I? Technically. Um, <laughs> I'll recircumcise myself after the gig. I'll just make right. Um, it doesn't grow back, Andy. <laughs> we don't. If it know has, that for you've sure. got a problem. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, let's uh, move on. Top story this week. And our top story this week. Uh, well, there's only one place to start here in uh, in Brexit, Britain, and that is uh, with our existential crisis. Um, it's uh, we've been uh, awarded six bonus months of additional bickering, <laughs> navel gazing, and absolutely fuck all being done as we continue to defy all science by achieving simultaneous total chaos and total inaction. Fuck you, Newton. You have been owned. Yes, Andy, in the great British tradition of making traditions out of pointless grinding and borderline degrading experiences, Brexit continues to wend its endless way through the winding bylanes of indiscriminate political flaccidity. (laughs) Never has so much hot air lifted so few balloons. (laughs) Oh, that is a beautiful phrase. And to be honest, Alice, what what time is it in Melbourne right now? (laughs) It's now 6.03 a.m. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I went to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning. So I am flying high. (laughs) So to achieve that level of coherence in those circumstances, that is truly heroic. So, um, um, (laughs) That's all I've ever wanted, Andy. Good considering the circumstances. (laughs) 
That's what this show has always been about. <laughs> um, well, what is, uh, is going to happen next is nothing. Um, we're in a kind of bizarre, we're in a sort of Schrodinger's Brexit situation at the moment. where we're sort of, I think maybe that's the ideal compromise, just a permanent Schrodinger's Brexit. And uh, I mean, it, basically, Theresa May's uh, kind of the art of compromise with Theresa May is just looking at a clock saying nothing and um uh, and, and it just seemed and mps have slowly come behind her deal but not enough not enough by the time of the deadline i guess you can understand why more and more people have you know, mps have come behind uh, her deal because i guess the closer you get to the ground the more tempting it is to use that parachute made of lettuce because <laughs> you know why the f not and uh, i mean now missy we're now in a situation where we've already just bounced off the ground back into the air, and we now just want to lessen the impact of our second landing. But the point, the point stands. And people have said, uh, you know, it's not, it's not really her fault. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not her fault with this impossible task that she has failed to drive the, na the robin reliance of our national destiny to the top of Kilimanjaro. But it is at least partially her fault that she has crashed that robin reliance 12 times into the same ditch just outside Croydon on the A23 heading south towards Africa. Now... Um, <laughs> Alice, what's the Australian reaction to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to the Brexit delay being? Are you, I mean, is everyone excited that we might come back and relaunch Empire? Uh, I think we're hoping we'll get a better deal on visas to the UK. Right. And that's about it. That, I think we do quite enjoy watching England make fools of, them th of themselves, whether it's in cricket or politics. <laughs> Uh, well, you might get both this year. <laughs> but generally, this sort of uh, the nature of political polarization is that people start taking their cues from countries that have no irrelevance. I used to do social media for a television show uh, in Australia, and the number of people who, was, who were like, Trump is coming for you. Uh, I imagine that the current social media girl is getting, Brexit's coming for you, even though it's. <laughs> completely irrelevant. We don't really have a national identity, Andy. It's just kangaroos. <laughs> and I guess on the plus side, we're all just dust in the wind of history anyway. So um, <laughs> um, it's interesting, the, the reaction to the, to the Brexit delay uh, from the European media and indeed the world media in uh, Germany. This is an article from uh, Manfreda Schnitzelhaus, who's the uh, Politiker's Gerger <laughs> correspondent. <laughs> From the national newspaper, the Schnauzspieler National Schaften Gegreuzengepaper, English language paper, she said, uh, Britain is indulging in a display of national navel gazing not seen since General Franco made the entire population of Spain gather in a field outside Salamanca to watch a pile of oranges slowly rot. It's a navel joke there, just. Uh, uh, I'm not sure we, but is it navel gazing? I think it's more performing open stomach surgery on ourselves and trying to read the future from our still twitching entrails. Um, from France, uh, the economist emblematique de Boulogne-Rac um, 
Writing in the Parisian daily La Vlurions, Balionneuse des Events et de la Realité Globaliste, wrote, um, British <coughs> politics is still chasing its own tail, only to remember that it has already caught and eaten its own tail, so is then vomiting its tail back up, sticking it back on its own arse with sellotape, chasing it again, eating it again, eating the tape and the traces of puke as well, chundering all that back up and saying, my tail hurts, and then blaming Europe for not feeding it a balanced <laughs> diet. Um, uh, this headline from the Finland Today newspaper, Stick Floating in Lake, Police Aware. Um, <coughs> um, uh, Russia's, uh, Russia's, one of Russia's national newspapers, Sjevodnia Djatel, uh, uh, Woodpecker Today, um, state-run newspaper, just says, <laughs> this is going very well. Uh, and the Syrian daily, uh, the Damascene Gazette, uh, said it is the ordinary people of Britain we feel most sorry for, caught in the middle of an unnecessary destructive political conflict that has been allowed to escalate through a combination of short-termism and arrogance and now has no satisfactory solution. <laughs> passports. This is uh, a very exciting. Uh, we got new passports this week. They've, they've, they've excised the words uh, European Union, from, uh, from our passports, uh, and uh, obviously after Brexit we won't need passports. We'll go back to the old <laughs> system where we just uh, turn up around the world with a copy of the Magna Carta, <laughs> waggle it in people's faces and scream, if it wasn't for us you'd still be speaking Roman. Um, <coughs> but it's quite interesting, um, people are so passionate about the, uh, the British passport. Well, I mean, what, what exactly, when you look at the British passport, that image there, we've got uh, a lion and a unicorn. What more appropriate image for Brex Britannia, an animal that last lived here about 40,000 years ago, and an animal that uh, has never existed, does not currently exist, and only has any hope of existing in future with significant international cooperation in the scientific field. Um, <coughs> I mean, to be fair, if it were going to be scientifically real, it would be uh, one of those things that male scientists would be very good at finding. <laughs> Family show, Alice. Uh, family show. Um, it's got some uh, some great. That was a joke about how unicorns are lured in by virgins. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm, I'm, oh, they is... got it. They just didn't like it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very much like Brexit itself. Um, then some, we got some great traditional British phrases on the passport. Dieu et mon droit. A great British phrase. Um, uh, God and my right, a deity we've largely given up on and a sense of entitlement, again, seems bizarrely appropriate. And then this, this is actually Old English, uh, I don't know if you can see that, uh, that there. Oni, often mispronounced, oni soit mal y pense. Actually, it's Old English phrase pronounced honit soit qui mal y pense. It's a Chaucerian English, and it translates roughly as honey, sit, I'll give you a quid, male, yes, penis. <laughs> right. Uh, breaking news, uh, the government has just called a Snap Olympics. Um, right, Alice, we've now finished the opening <laughs> section. Uh, it's uh, incomprehensible massiveness of the universe news now, and uh, Alice, you are the Bugle's um, universe correspondent. Um, some exciting news from the, uh, the world of black holes. 
Yes, indeed, Annie. The first ever real picture of a black hole has been revealed. Uh, people are hailing it as an historic moment for science. And uh, of course, the world being what it is, people have immediately politicized this 54 million light year away problem because the, the fact that a woman did the algorithm that helped us to see the whole and people have immediately judged her for not having a high resolution enough picture of this thing that is 54 million light years away and literally cannot be seen by the human eye. <laughs> Well, and also, uh, coincidentally, 54 million years is uh, when on current progress there will be uh, gender pay equality. So that <laughs> seems, uh, seems kind, of, kind of appropriate. Um, uh, so, well, here's a picture of it. Uh, what a sensational black hole that is. Um, easily, uh, uh, it's a vast uh, chasm of nothingness that pulls in all matter, light and energy, um, to quote my own online dating profile. Um, <laughs> and various reviews. <laughs> Uh, insert your own Brexit joke here. Um, what, so what exactly is a black hole, Alice? Well, it's, that's a, a question to be determined, Andy, but it's a, a place where it sucks in all the light and everything. You know, 6.5 billion times more mass than the sun. <laughs> Event horizon, possibly. If you look into it, you'll see a big eye looking back. <laughs> right, because some scientists actually claim it is the last vestige of a dying god. Uh, for example, what we see in that picture might actually be the swirling vortex created by the last slurps of milk taken by Bastet, the Egyptian cat goddess. Or it could be the imploding butthole of Zeus. We just don't know. And so what, how, how Weirdly, much... Weirdly, I have a joke in my show about the exploding butthole of Zeus. Oh. Great minds. <laughs> um, so 6.5 6 billion times heavier than the sun, this black hole. I mean, they barely even published the photo and already the tabloids are body shaming it. So, and um, it's just the way of the world, isn't it? Well, the, not the world. Um, 54 million light years away, this thing, and yet I still feel closer to it emotionally and spiritually than I do to Jacob Rees-Mogg. So, <laughs> and um, <laughs> the MP for West Caricature. And, um, um, and it is, uh, it's big enough to swallow entire stars, but won't eat its courgettes. Just can't get it to eat courgettes. Nothing, nothing. Um, that's one for any parents out there. Uh, uh, do you have any more uh, black hole news, Alice? I did, but it got sucked through a vortex. <laughs> well, let's move on instead then to... Uh, condom news now. Um, Alice, you are the Bugle's... Uh, prophylactic technology correspondent. Yes, I am, Andy. In exciting news now, uh, PR people are surprisingly bad at their jobs because they have invented uh, a condom as a, a, a publicity initiative that requires four hands to open. And they threw that on, out on the market to start a conversation about consent, and most people started a conversation about how shit they were at their jobs. <laughs> Well, I mean, what happens if there are only three hands at the table or one hand? You don't know. Uh, you can't judge. And also the whole idea being that this is going to, this is going to incentivize potential rapists to get, get extra hands in on the, it's, a, it's like doing a, like you're already, when you're having sex, it's complicated enough to figure out what's going on without a Rubik's Cube to solve. <laughs> Um, there are other devices. Uh, I mean, it is clearly prejudiced against pirates and certain <laughs> clerics. Um, 
but um, <laughs> there are um, there are other devices available to ensure consent in sexual encounters. So the idea is you've got to have two hands to. Uh, uh, but there are other devices that are available to ensure consent in sexual encounters or encounters is. Uh, whichever way you want to go. Uh, those devices uh, to ensure consent include uh, the human brain, a basic sense of right and wrong, and the law. Um, <laughs> but I guess if you don't have access to those, then the consent condom could be, could be good for you. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I, I'm, uh, I'm all in favour of stories like this being, being put in, in the press to make people think, because I, uh, I went to an all-boys private school, and <laughs> sex education was at best, minimalist, and not in an artistic way. Um, <laughs> it essentially involved a 56-year-old single man talking to a room full of teenage hereditary stockbrokers, <laughs> informing them how at some point in his life a gentleman will be expected to uh, frunkle his drongle rod uh, into a lady's gagrooch, um, so that his spermatids uh, can sexgotiate the fallopiated trubes and uh, eventually imperfilitate uh, the uh, overegg, um, whilst crushing, uh, blushing an increasingly crimson shade of beetroot before jumping into a cupboard, slamming the door shut and shouting, Beware the way of the boob! No good can possibly come of it! Now get out there and play some rugby until this filth is out of your system. And uh, the only other thing we did for sex ed at my school was uh, every year on the... 21st of June, the night of the summer solstice, um, we would build a 100-foot uh, wicker statue of Margaret Thatcher, and uh, in it we would sacrifice the school's horniest boy. So, there we go. <coughs> um. I mean, that is still better than my birds and the bees talk that I got from my dad. <laughs> Which was what? He sat me down and he said, Alice, I trust your judgment. You'll know right from wrong. <laughs> What do you do with that? Not bang anyone for 20 years. That's what you do. <laughs> right, uh, moving on now to... <laughs> Ecuadorian Embassy Mayhem News now. And uh, Alice, you're our uh, Ecuador correspondent. <laughs> Very yes, a, a reluctant Monty Burns slash Julian Assange has been dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy uh, giving birth to a million memes uh, let's get some uh, let's go here we have uh, this is uh, this is julian uh, <laughs> before and after um i don't think you can uh, spot the difference there uh, that's that's him there julian assange uh, after his, his arrest uh yesterday uh demonstrating a grip for a left arm outswinger um <laughs> I mean, I guess when you spend seven years locked in a house, you're going to work on that kind of thing, aren't you? It certainly raises questions about what is inside the Ecuadorian embassy because it looks like he's been living in a cave. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, it's interesting. We'll we'll touch on this in a sec. I'll just uh, quickly do because he's going to repeat that sign there. Now, does anyone know anyone else who's made a similar sign to that? Anyone? Let's have a look. Jesus. There you go. So the question is, look at that. Is Julian Assange actually a messiah? Let's And the answer is no. <laughs> well, 
Well, that is typical modern scepticism. That is why so many genuine messiahs have fallen by the wayside <laughs> for my people uh, over the years. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, let's look at the evidence. Initials, J.A., Julian Assange, also actually Jesus' birth initials, because his dad's uh, real surname was Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for God. <laughs> I remember that much. And I say remember, I mean had to check on the internet. Um, Christ with his, was his mother's maiden name, of course. Uh, took it as a rebellious teenager because he fell out with his absentee dad. Um, well, my favourite part of this uh, Ecuadorian embassy eviction news is that people are wondering whether it was a legal challenge or just the fact that Julian Assange was a brat. <laughs> uh, they spent almost $14 million a year protecting him uh, and they, embassy staff complained of him skateboarding at night, playing loud music and walking around in his underwear. Yeah. Skateboarding, I mean, is, I mean that, that is not what you expected to hear in that list. Obviously, the other thing, uh, meddling in Ecuador's relations with other countries, good to have a hobby. I mean, someone, someone's got to do it. Ecuador doesn't even meddle in its own relations, as far as I can make out. Um, they, they listed nine reasons why they'd withdrawn asylum, Ecuador, uh, but they did not include the release of files from the, from the Democrats. Uh, so they got nine problems, but the snitch ain't one. Uh, <coughs> too soon? Um... um so, uh, so meddling, uh, rude behaviour. I mean, he is Australian, so what, what can you expect? Uh, playing football in the embassy, that's a basic human right. But skateboarding, and this is, this is what the Ecuadorian, this is the official statement from the Ecuadorian embassy. Mr. Assange caused considerable discomfort among the staff of the embassy with his ceaseless practising of his backside heel flip. He indeed knocked over a pot of coffee when his nose blunt side into pivot fakie combination went wrong, not for the first time, we might add. And if we have one more asylum seeker staying in our embassy who wipes out our daffodils trying a ginger snap, a 360 dragon flip, or even a pop shove it, <laughs> then frankly we'll just give up. There is a time and a place for unnecessary altitude, and that is any time in Ecuador, not at tea time in our embassy in London. Um, pop shove it, incidentally, as I'm sure you know, a Jewish festival. Uh, <laughs> commemorating uh, when uh, Moses turned the Red Sea into a half-pipe. So, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> that was a fun train journey down from London today. And it's all well and good making up skateboarding quotes, but here is an actual direct quote from the statement of President Lenin Marino, who said, from now on, we'll be more careful in giving asylum to people who are really worth it and not miserable hackers. <laughs> I just like the idea of Julian Assange being told to smile more. <laughs> For, got further evidence that Ju, uh, he is, in fact, a messiah, Julian Assange. Like I say, the initials J.A. Um, also, uh, both men had a beard, clearly. Uh, both prone to disappearing for a long time and then showing up again. Um, both white men, famously Jesus. I mean, look at look at him. I'm uh, I think he was from, from, uh, from Crawley, originally. Uh, Neither fans of Skrillex. Um, <laughs> both victims of questionable legal process, although almost certainly guilty. It's, uh, it's building up. And both have caused absolute long-term havoc in American politics. So it's absolutely uncanny. Uh, so he's facing extradition to the USA and up to five years in jail. In America, I guess the question for us here in Britain is, should we be extraditing anyone to a lawless basket case of a country where they cannot be assured a fair trial? Um, 
Okay, not technically a joke, more a factual question. Um, <laughs> In Angry Bird news now, a Queensland town is being haunted by an aggressive brolga, uh, which, uh, if you don't know, is uh, it's an elegant waterfowl with d- the delicate poise of a ballet dancer and the beak of an aggressively animated ice pick. <laughs> so this, uh, this brolga is called Barry because everything in Queensland is called Barry by law, and it turned up... It turned up in a small town around three months ago after fires in the region presumably moved him from his original birdie home. Every day he roams up and down the main street where he visits the local library, butcher, general store and caravan park. And he was initially welcomed by the grateful townsfolk like a feathery cowboy in an old Western movie, but he started to wear out their tolerance with his aggressive behaviour and constant challenging of people to duels at noon. (laughs) Uh, a water bird expert says the abundance of food in the town could be making him aggressive. An urban ecology expert, Daryl Jones, says the Brolga's behaviour was unusual but not surprising. He's just, quote, wandering around as a newly free teenage Brolga with his black T-shirt listening to heavy metal music and hanging out in the mall. <laughs> he says the best thing to do is ignore the bird and hopefully he'll move on, again, like a teenager. <laughs> How many are, there, is there, is, are brolgas a big uh, a big problem just wandering around the streets of uh, of Australia? Well, they're about this tall, so yes, they are by definition a big problem, <laughs> uh, and they will just grab you. They'll just right. I mean, it doesn't. It's like a giant chicken with a snake for a neck and dinosaur legs that'll kick your guts out. <laughs> but. More delicate than the cassowary, which is like a giant chicken with a snake for a neck with giant dinosaur legs that'll kick your guts out, (laughs) and also different from the emu, which is like a giant turkey with a snake for a neck. (laughs) Um, And I mean, how how different exactly is the brolga from, for example, the the flamingo, which um, is clearly a bird you have deep personal psychological issues with. Well, yeah, I mean, the flamingo is a f-ing pretentious pink asshole. Like, it's just, it's got the hooky nose of a French connoisseur and the weird, did you know it, like, vomits up a cottage cheese into its children's mouth? Like, that's a good thing. <laughs> like, why would you do that? A brolga is an elegant grey a uh, live and beautiful creature that just occasionally harasses people in Queensland, all of which I am for. <laughs> I see we've just got some breaking news coming through. That Brolga has just uh, become Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> and every human being has had a go at it. <laughs> news now. Um, Alice, uh, Australia yes. has been, been rocked by uh, one of its rugby stars. Yes, Australian rugby player Israel Folau could be sacked by Australia rugby team uh, for his God hates gays uh, attitude. Um, this is the thing, but he's, he's done this before. He's come out against vaccination. He's coming out against gay people. It's, and it always happens at this time of year. And like, as a young person, I would occasionally go to Jewish events at my grandmother's house, and there was a saying next year in Israel. Andy, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah. As a, 
Yeah, very observant too. I feel like it started to become a fun tradition in this part of the world that every year Israel Folau says something that displays an almost entire incomprehension of logic, science, and the political temperature of the public moment. <laughs> uh, Rugby Australia has released a statement on Thursday saying it plans to terminate Folau's contract. Uh, he put something up on his Instagram saying, Hell awaits uh, for gay people unless they repent of their sins. And it's just like... I think it's a nice reflection on how much he's been training that he's missed the last 50 or 60 years of political progress. <laughs> that is literally the best spin I can put on it. He put out this post saying, warning, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, idolaters, hell awaits you. Repent, only Jesus saves. And... Um, it's the third time he's had a go at the uh, LGBTQI uh, community. And uh, also, I mean, it's, it doesn't always, but he has previously had a go at the DLFATAI community as well for all the drunks, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, and idolaters. Um, and uh, he quoted uh, St. Paul's letter to the Galatians. Um, now, St. Paul, incorrigible letter writer, he... Uh, whipped off epistles to all kinds of people, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Galatians, his auntie Pam, uh, who's always a bit lonely but always wrote back, uh, the Damascus Highways Office complaining about the state of the roads. Um, he wrote to Roman history writing celeb Pliny the Elder asking for an autograph, and he wrote to various cereal manufacturers trying to win competitions by finishing sentences like, I love Judean cocoa cho choco corn pops because... Dot, dot, dot. Um, but I think it's fair to say that, based on some of his uh, writings in his letters, St. Paul would not have completely approved of everything about Brighton. Um, and in fact, Rugby Australia has said that St. Paul uh, himself, the 2013-year-old conversion victim and one of Jesus' most influential hype men in the early days of the church, will no longer be considered for selection for the Wallabies national rugby team. So... Uh, at least they are uh, <laughs> being <laughs> being consistent. And I mean, there's uh, another another thing from the Bible, um, uh, Leviticus nineteen twenty eight: Do not cut your bodies or put tattoo marks on yourselves, for I am the Lord. And it appears that Israel didn't quite get to that page of the Bible as well. So, um, and also at no point, given that his career in uh, two codes of rugby, at no point mm -hmm. I don't I recall a bit from the Bible where Jesus said, uh, "Oh, well, this is from the Gospel according to St. Alvin, which you may not have read." And Jesus did say, "Thou shalt gather thyself together with fourteen of thine brethren and play a sport of unfathomable rules and brain-damaging violence, albeit one which is often majestic and possesses an undeniable visceral excitement when played well." For my Father, the Lord Himself, does love nothing more of a weekend than to sit down in front of the telly with a couple of beers and watch the rugger. So. <laughs> Right. It's the logic of so many of those Bible-y statements, isn't it? Yeah. Don't do this, for I am the Lord. That's not how maths works. <laughs> Nigel Farage, this is a bit of a, a vault fast for Farage. Um, he has just uh, said that he will be willing to consider staying in the European Union if and only if the other 27 member nations all leave. So... <laughs> That kind of compromise, uh, compromise uh, we need. Quick Marc Francois update. Uh, I don't know if you uh, listened to last week's, uh, last week's bugle, uh, Marc, Marc Francois. I mean, he's uh, hugely entertaining. And he talked about uh, uh, perfidious Albion, unlaunching perfidious uh, Albion, um, uh, which I think they merged with Brighton and Hove United some, some time ago. Um, uh, he talked about Britain 
He said this, we will be a Trojan horse within the EU. Now, the absolute key with being a Trojan horse is, is a lack of advanced publicity. That, that was fundamental to the success of the initial program. Another thing that was absolutely crucial to the Trojan horse working was the people inside it being f***ing quiet. Which is not something that comes easy to, uh, to Marc Francois. Um, it's interesting on... you pronounce it Marc Francois. I pronounce it... And there we have it. That is your lot. Thanks as ever to Chris for piecing all that together for us, even though he wasn't actually at the show. And of course to Alice. If you are in the Melbourne area, or indeed the Southern Hemisphere in general, it can't be that big, do go to see her wonderful show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and various other places thereafter. We'll be having a week off the Bugle uh, next week. Uh, By the time we come back, I'm sure everything everywhere will be absolutely fine and the Bugle will finally, as was always intended, transform into a podcast about the differences between knitting and welding. We will put out a sub-Bugle for you next week uh, and please be aware that you can now hear the Bugle in the Entail app. That's E-N-T-A-L-E and A-P-P if you want me to spell app for you as well. Some people are a bit completist about these things. And on the Entail app, you can also see pictures and links to what we're talking about. That's all part of the brand new Bugle Independent Future, which is now the present. And now, as has become the tradition on the Bugle, as part of that future uh, present, uh, we will play you out with some lies about our premium Volonto subscribers. To join the voluntary subscription scheme or to contribute whatever you can, whether as a recurring or one-off donation to keep the Bugle free and fibbing for the rest of eternity, go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button. Chris? Let the lies commence. Mark Adams is the grandchild of Drimit McRoyal, the inventor of the retractable canoe. Dan Mook could bench press a crocodile, but he chooses not to for animal rights reasons as well as his own health and safety. Jonathan Cayley Isley, or Cayley Eiley, I don't know how you pronounce that, has wargamed a hypothetical scenario in which caterpillars start turning into poisonous snakes, like they used to before a cure was found, and he thinks he can save the world from disaster. Matthew Gwynn is, after researching ancient maps, texts and inscriptions, on the verge of rediscovering the lost city of Birmingham. Gregor Hoffman would prefer it if all basketball players had stilts of varying lengths, so they all played at the same height, because it would be a fairer and therefore better sport. Lucy Peroni starred alongside Kiefer Sutherland in the pilot of the TV series 24, entitled Frolicking Donkeys on a Summer's Day in Portugal. The series was significantly rewritten before broadcast. Bartek Sipraki thinks you might as well drink some milk, eat some strawberries and then go trampolining rather than buy a milkshake. Bat Wench is three quarters of the way through an unofficial doctoral thesis exploring what would have happened if the ancient Greeks had invented tennis instead of democracy whilst anonymous donor, initials MR, actually found a copy of the first half of that thesis and has optioned it with four different Hollywood studios, with a proposed cast of John McEnroe as Pericles and Hannah Mandlikova as the goddess Demeter. David Dodwell Bennett reckons he can prove that Little Red Riding Hood was the daughter of Robin Hood from an illicit liaison with a nun called Brenda. Tim Prollins thinks levitation could solve the global housing crisis if only people could be persuaded to float around at different heights so they don't bump into each other too much. And another anonymous donor, initials EW, averted a diplomatic incident after a friend claimed to have seen the face of Jesus burnt into a slice of toast being eaten by a rabbi 
but she managed to convince a UN panel that it was in fact the face of Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees. Crisis averted. Renan Santos goes against the grain by believing that you should in fact try to run before you can walk, as this will inevitably make you quicker on average over the course of your life. And finally, Mike Pence, uh, I, I assume it's, it's not that Mike Pence, cannot quite decide whether it will be cruel or inspirational to take a penguin on a tandem flight in a hang glider, but he veers towards inspirational. Thank you all for your generous contributions to the Bugle Voluntary Subscription Scheme. Until next week, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.